Uh, Leah and I, um, we have been married going on 18 years. She has put up with me for 18 years. Give her a hand. <laughs> We've been in full-time ministry uh, 16 years, which is hard to believe. And we have three beautiful children, uh, Leah, which is 15 years old, God help me, uh, Noah, 13 years old, and Honor, that is nine years old. And uh, man, I, the greatest privilege of my life is to be a father. I'm so proud of my kids. And they're all different. How many of you know that all your kids are different? They're all different. I mean, Allie, she's an organizer, and she will plan your life if you let her right? You won't have a life unless you stand your ground. She will plan your life. And if she is set, she has her mind set to something, she's going to do it. She's a leader. Noah loves people, has a great personality, very sensitive to God, really loves, like a pastor's heart. Honor, she's like, you know, she's the YouTuber. <laughs> she's like, push that button to subscribe. And you know, she's like, She's all about it, man, and she's uh, the life of the party, you know. But you can never look at one of your children and say you love one more than the other. I mean, they're so different. They have so many different personalities and attrib attributes, but you just love them for who they are, and you can't stop that. I mean, you think you know what love is until you have kids and you're a little worried when you have one because you're like, I don't know if I can love another one this much. And then you have another one and you love that one just the same. It's, it's weird making humans, man. <laughs> it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing, but it's a blessing from God. And really, to be honest, when I am the happiest is when my kids are getting along. I mean, it is a challenge. Uh, there is uh, puberty going on in the house right now. Hormones are at an all-time high, but how many of you know it is a beautiful thing when everybody's getting along and there's unity? It's a beautiful thing when people are loving each other, brothers and sisters coming together, hanging out, and, uh, and unfortunately, it is the parent's job when there is dysfunction, when there is uh, chaos, when there is arguing, it is the parents and the father's um, responsibility to say, time out, we got to get on the same page here. How many of you know that our God is the same exact way? That what pleases his heart, we even read it in John 17, is unity, being unified, being one, coming together in one mind, one accord, and loving each other for our differences and for what we have most in common, which is our common denominator, which is we all need Jesus. Wave at me if, we, if you need Jesus. That's why we're here today. We're not here today because, you know, we just, uh, we're just uh, disciplined people, which discipline is good. But how many of you know that it's the love of God that propels you to love him back? It's only receiving the love of God that gives you the grace to love him back and love people back. And it is a good father that gives us that ability. Genesis 1.26 says, then God said, this is the beginning in Genesis, then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. So you are literally, if you're a human being in here, wave at me if you're a human being. That's everybody. You're a human being in here, meaning that you are literally made 
in the image of God. A piece of God is living in you. And I'm here to tell you today that God says in his word that um, he has no respecter of, per of person. And this is the truth. If God were to look down on you, he would literally have to look down on himself. Because you're made in the image of God. I think one of the most uh, diabolical things there is is uh, racism because it's literally looking down on God's very children. It's looking down on what is the image of God. And I'm here today to say if you are a human, human being, you are a treasure. God does not make second class. God makes gems. God makes diamonds. You know, when, uh, when I was picking out Leah's ring, uh, I, I had like three or four that I had picked out. And I went to the jeweler because I needed help. And I was like, which one do you love the most? Because I need some help picking this out. And he couldn't tell me because he made them all. He loved them all. They all shine. He loved every single one of them. How many of you know that God is not a respecter of person? You are God's favorite. You need to feel like you're God's favorite because you are God's favorite because he is your father and you're the apple of his eye. The truth is that God, the father, is one that brings unity. The enemy brings division. Unity is God's thing. Division is the enemy's thing, and it really stems from pride. I want to give this to you today, five ingredients for unity, five ingredients for unity. Number one, if we want to truly be in unity, then we must have humility. Come on, somebody. If we truly want humility or be in unity, because see, the Bible says there's an actual blessing that comes from unity. And there's a blessing on your life. Psalms 133 says it is like a flow. It's a blessing that comes from unity. And when you find yourself unified, you will find the blessing flowing on your life. And the first thing that it takes for that to happen, to come in unity, is humility. Say humility. See, the enemy is the opposite of humility. Before the world ever began, the enemy was named Lucifer. Satan, he was an angel of light. He was like the worship leader. He was the man in heaven. But what happened to Lucifer? Lucifer looked at God and said, I should be in your place, and pride enter, entered into Lucifer, and he literally he got one-third of the angels out of heaven because they chose darkness. See, darkness and sin is everything that's outside of God. And they were literally, they were literally cast out of heaven. And what the enemy's plan was to introduce human beings because God made humans in his own image to rule the earth. And he said, the enemy said, the only way that I can get them. See, God hated humans because it reminded him of God. You know, the enemy hates you because you remind him of God. You are made in the image of God, and the enemy wants to do anything to get you out of sync with God. And so the enemy in the garden spoke to Adam and Eve and literally wanted his nature to go into them because he wanted to rule over humans. We know what happened. 
that Adam and Eve ate of the tree uh, of, of good and evil. And literally, the Bible says that the nature of sin entered man. And God began to get them out of the garden and started the redemptive process. But when you saw sin and pride enter man, the very next chapter, you see where murder is uh, instituted. How many of you know that pride is a dangerous thing? If we want unity, we have to have humility. And see, this is what happens. A perverted idolatry begins to cause us, when I say that, um, a wrong thinking. How many of you know that there can be wrong thinking in the church as well? Religion, a lot of times, religion can be masked with pride. And so what happens is, when you have a wrong ideology about people or things and pride enters in, then you begin to be self-righteous, then you become entitled, and before you know it, there's discrimination. How many of you know that sounds like the enemy? Pride, entitlement, discrimination. You know, the nature of God is humility. And some people that have a religious heart they have wrong ideologies and they won't even recognize it because their heart is not soft. Their eye is dark. The Bible says when those have a dark eye and they believe it's light, how dark is that eye? There are some people that live with racism and actually begin to justify it in their heart, but the Lord says it is darkness. And really, racism starts by downgrading somebody and somebody that's in the image of God, downgrading somebody you think that you're higher because of where you came from. Getting quiet in here. How many of you know that we need to preach this in the church because we're not going to win until we come into unity? And the father's heart on father's day to day, I think what a father would say, I would love to just give you, you know, five points of being a good father or how we should respect their father. But I believe if the father, heavenly father was here today, he would say, come on, man, let's get in unity so the world can see that I'm alive. But if we want unity, we're going to have to have humility and a soft heart that recognizes and will actually um, pinpoint wrong ideologies and wrong thoughts in our heart. To look at somebody, if they are uh, a different uh, race than you, a different background than you, and you automatically think you're better, then there's something wrong in your heart. We've all been guilty of this. How many of you know you've had a, a point before when you saw somebody under a bridge and thought, oh, he should, they should get it together. How many of you know that if it weren't for the grace of God on our life, where would we be? How dare us as believers and humans think that we're anybody except without, without the grace of God? It's the grace that you have that job. It's the grace of God that you have that relationship. It's the grace of God that you're standing. It's the grace of God that you're able to move forward. It's the grace of God that you have that health. It is not your own works. Jesus came and paid a price for a sin that we actually deserved. And he said, I'm going to give you life. How dare we look on somebody else? What would we be without the grace of God? God wants Humility, if there's going to be 
unity. Romans 12, 16 through 18. Live happily together in the spirit of harmony and be mindful of one another's worth as you are your own. How many of you know that we need to see other people's worth? Don't live with a lofty mindset. Don't live with a lofty mindset. That's pride. Don't live with a lofty mindset. This is the American way though, right? Americans pride themselves in being prideful. Pride themselves in having loftiness. I'm, I'm better. I'm going to strive harder. I'm going to win. Winning's good, but we are losing when we're not in unity. So it says this. It says, don't live with a lofty mindset thinking that you're too important to serve others. Thinking that you're too important, but be willing to do the menial task and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug. Hey, we can, go home. we can go home right now. How many of you receive that? Don't be smug. How many of you know that Christians shouldn't be smug? The, wrong, the, the, the problem is uh, people have a wrong thought of Christianity because many Christians look smug. Many Christians act smug because they begin to think that they're better and people don't feel welcomed when you're thinking you're better. Come on, somebody. People don't feel loved when you think you're better. You had the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords come on the earth and serve. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. But we have Christians today because we read our Bible three times a day and pray and do uh, all the religious things that if we don't watch it and recognize it's the grace of God on our life, we can become smug. And I believe a father would say, I know my father would say, get that smugness off your face. How many of you know we have Christians running around, looks like they got baptized in vinegar? <laughs> hey, smile. Look at your neighbor and say, smile. smile. Jesus loves you. We have this perception of God. Did you know God made comedians? He's actually funny. God actually made joy. You know what I'm saying? We see Jesus in the old movies when he's just staring at you in your eyes and just like serious. But how many of you know that Jesus had a childlike uh, likeness about him. He was joy. He was all human and all God. And people were attracted to him. Why? Because they could sense the love of God. You cannot sense love when you're full of smugness. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm using it today. How many of you know that we need to be in a place of humility because it's who our Father is? Don't be smug or even think for a moment, not for a moment, that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. How many of you know if, you need to, if you're going to live in humility, that means that you live in respect? There is nobody on the face of the earth that doesn't deserve respect because they're made in the image of God. I'm going to be honest. I really uh, can tell what a person is like by hanging around them in a service industry. Like if I go and eat with somebody, and if they treat the waitress or the waiter wrong, I'm like, oh, you're not my guy. I don't care the size of your ministry. I don't care your pedigree. I don't care what you believe or how much uh, uh, accolades you have. If you can't treat somebody with respect, you need to go back to the feet of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah give out, God a hand if you want to. 
I remember I was, I was uh, hanging around this guy, and he had this big ministry no, known from all over. And uh, we sat down, and, and the woman that was uh, waiting the table, he, he said something. She left, and I was like, man, she really needs Jesus. And he said something to the effect, what a Jezebel. And I thought, that's not the love of Jesus. That's not, that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus would love those that feel far away. Jesus didn't come to the world to judge or condemn the world, but he came into the world that they might have life and life abundantly. I can tell you, you're not living an abundant life when you're living with self-righteous or you think that you're an uh, elite. I'm here to tell you, you're not that important. <laughs> the Bible says, take a good evaluation of your life. You're not that great. Listen, you're, you're, the Bible says uh, you're here today, you're gone tomorrow, you're like a, a puff of smoke. God loves you with everything, but don't think you're that awesome. We like to feel better about ourselves because many of us walk around with insecurity, so we try to view ourselves higher than others to mask or to heal the pain of a little boy or girl that is full of insecurity and hurts. And it probably came from a fatherless or a father issue or a parent issue that didn't really exemplify God. And I'm here to tell you that God can heal that and he can take that away. And you can be so whole, which actually means righteous, that you can take a clear evaluation of yourself knowing that it is not your righteousness, but the righteousness of God that lives on the inside of you so that you can look at others and see the righteousness in them so that you can actually be like our king and get on your hands and knees and serve come on we have a king that washed feet and I'm here to tell you today if you're hurting today because of a lack of a father you're hurting today because of hurt you have a father that will come down and wash your feet he'll take care of you how many of you are glad that we can get taken care of by our heavenly father You know, John says that if you say you love somebody, but you hate your brother, then you're a liar. It's like a clinging symbol. All it is is noise. We can say that we love God, but if we don't love our neighbors, then the love of God is not in us. Number two, say number two. If we want to live in unity, we have to live in humility, but also if we want to live in Hum our unity, we have to live in conviction. Say conviction. Listen, I'm thankful for America. I love America, but I'm a believer before I'm American. I know this is going to ruffle some feathers because a lot of us see God or our religious activity through the lens of a political lens. And I'm here to tell you, God did not come to deliver you a political lens. He came to give you the lens of the kingdom. And so many times we need conviction over culture. <laughs> it got quiet in here. <laughs> Be careful to not see your Christian worldview through a lens of politics. Billy, Billy Graham said this. He said, I'm not left wing, I'm not white, right wing, I'm for the whole bird. <laughs> huh. 
You know what I love about New Orleans? One way that I was drawn, you know, Lee and I are drawn because, you know, New Orleans has an unbelievable culture and we hang out all together and we just have fun and it's just kind of neighboring and we take care of each other. But you know something that we notice that we believe that we were called to New Orleans? Something that's the saddest thing is that we're all together except for Sunday. Sundays are the most segregated day of the week. How many of you know that the heart of God is unity? And when people begin to see unity in our hearts, they will begin to believe that there is a God that is uh, real. See, we don't need, we have to understand something. Culture is not kingdom. Culture is not kingdom. I'm going to say it again. Culture is not kingdom. When you go to heaven, God, we're going to be evaluated by God, not by how you were raised, not by uh, what culture you were in. You are going to be evaluated by God by if you live by the kingdom. And a lot of times we will allow culture in the kingdom and it's not God. Quiet again. At one time, people justified slavery because it was the culture. It was the culture, but it wasn't the kingdom. And that's an extreme example, but we have to know that we're not people of culture, we're people of kingdom. The Bible says, actually, don't let the culture inside of you, but renew your mind. Because culture will make you in it will make you immature. I'm here to tell you, people of the kingdom, don't let the media divide us. If you want to see culture, look at the media. And the enemy would love to spew out a bunch of stuff that would divide us. But how many of you know that our God is bigger than the enemy's tactics? Our God is bigger than the division that he has. He is so scared. The enemy is so scared, he's throwing out everything to bring division because he knows a heart of unity, we will win. Romans 12, 1 through 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take every day, ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, and place it before God as an offering. Listen to this. Embracing what God has for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, say instead. Fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. The culture would love to bring immaturity in you, which immaturity is in the kingdom, in the kingdom is that those that aren't full of love. How many of you want to be full of love? Number three, say number three. If we want unity, we have to have empathy. I'm going to say that again. If we want unity, then we have to have empathy. One more time. If we want unity, we have to have empathy. Empathy. It was under the leadership of Abraham Lincoln that the Emancipation of Proclamation was issued in 1863. 
And I love this quote from Abraham Lincoln. Can we listen to it? When I hear anyone arguing for slavery, I feel a strong impulse to see it tried upon him personally. That's empathy. I'm going to say it again. When I hear anyone arguing for slavery, I feel a strong impulse to see it tried on him personally. That's empathy. Romans 12, 15 says, celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. And so this is what Jesus said. His message was this. His message was, hey, I'm going to sum it all up for you. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as your... So you can't say, if you're going through something, I'm not bothered by it, because we are part of the same body. Have you ever stumped your toe in the middle of the night? I'm like the little girl squealing, right? My whole body feels it. And if we have somebody in the body that's going through something, how many of you know we need to feel it too? That's called empathy. And so in our lives, if we want unity, then we have to have empathy. Jesus was a great example of this because, you know, when he said, love your neighbor as yourself, you had one of those smug ones, right? One of the smug ones that said, well, tell me, who is your neighbor? And then he said, perfect, a perfect time for a race conversation. He said there was this guy that was bleeding on the road and he was a Jew and religious people passed over him, but then there was a Samaritan. How many of you know that Jews and Samaritans, they had a, re- they had a race, race conflict? See, Samaritans actually came from, they were Jews, but they got together with the Assyrians during the Babylonian rule, and they weren't pure, uh, pure Jews, so the Jews were smug towards the Samaritan, and Jesus literally said, you want to love your neighbor? Break down any racial walls and begin to have empathy for those that are hurting. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't really, I don't really, uh... I don't really uh, understand, or I really, that's just not my thing. No, you're a believer. It's your thing. Come on, somebody. We have to have empathy, Emp- empathy. You know, um, many times we don't have empathy because we're not educated. We don't have empathy because we're not educated. We don't have empathy because we're not educated. You know how you get educated? You ask questions. If somebody's going through something, you say, how does this make you feel? How does, how, what is, what, what are you going through right now? You say, well, I don't even have that opportunity, which brings me to my next point, is that if you want to have unity, you have to be intentional. Come on, somebody. If you want unity, you have to be Intentional. It's not enough to have an ideology. We must have intentionality. See, the problem is that we have these social constructs, right? And it's really, uh, uh, scientists or sociologists call it grouping. And, and, and really, grouping is like a, a normal thing. You know, pastors sometimes want to hang out with pastors. Business leaders want to hang out with business leaders because it's what makes people feel comfortable. And so, so it, grouping kind of naturally happens. But how many of you know that you, we cannot be one with a bunch of groups? 
We are one when we come together. I'm thankful for my parents because they understood that if you're going to really be in unity, then you're going to have to have intentionality. And I remember um, my school didn't have, uh, didn't have football. So through elementary and through junior high, uh, I, I played um, city ball. I loved it. I was the only white boy on the team. They called me Oreo because I was the cream in the middle and I actually played the middle. <laughs> one time a kid asked my mom, which son is yours? Another one was like, stupid, she's the only white person here. <laughs> I loved it because you have to be intentional with relationships. You have to be intentional even with your children in relationships. I love our neighborhood because it's an eclectic group, and it's a Asians and Indian and black and white, and we love it. And I just, I love that our family is getting involved with uh, not just one group. <laughs> that of, when I played football, I just, I, we were the Popeyes, by the way. We were undefeated. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> But we were really good. And, uh, and I just remember, I remember, I, I, I just, I, I love that time in my life of learning and, and living. And, and uh, I'm thankful that my parents uh, pushed that. And I, I, I want to encourage you parents, uh, cause, cause your, your children to be open-minded. Make it intentional. Well, it's just not happening. How many of you know that Jesus was intentional? They just got done with the crusade. They fed, fed thousands of people, right? His disciples were like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get something to eat. And he said, I'm about to teach you a lesson. He goes out of his way. Jesus goes out of his way to go to a well to talk to a Samaritan woman, which was racial tension, and begin to ask her questions and love on her. When the disciples came back, they didn't ask what they were doing. Not only was it weird because men really didn't talk to women like that, but certainly Jews didn't talk to Samaritans and they came back and Jesus began to love on this woman. He made it intentional to show we need to get out of our little group. If your group only looks like you, you have a sad small group. Break out of your group and begin to have those that don't look like you, don't have the same background as you. And I encourage you to find a group because you are stronger when we're together. Because there are gifts and talents in all of us, and if we don't come together as one, we're just going to be like a big thumb. Please, God, don't let us be like a big thumb. I want to encourage you, stop saying this. I don't see color. Because God does. My daughter, she went to the beach, and she got a tan all day, and she's trying to impress uh, somebody else that I'm going to show my gun collection to, and she came back. <laughs> and she was like, look at my tan, and he was like, I don't see color. That would be a problem. Color is beautiful. I think we need to recognize different colors. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his. And where we come from and what we do, God, 
wants us to come together as one so that we can be the literal body of Christ because you have gifts that I don't have and when we come together and, and I might be able to bring something together and when we come together the Bible says that the world will begin to know who Jesus is. There's something special about it but we have to be intentional. Say intentional. Number five, and we can get somebody to come and play. Number five, if we want to have unity, we don't just need to be intentional, but we need to have commitment. How many of you know that we should be loyal and committed to our brothers and sisters? How many of you know that we should be committed to equality? I'm going to say that again. How many of you believe that we should be committed to equality? Because it's the heart of God. God's heart breaks when people are treated differently than who God created them to be, which is beautiful and special. You know, it was um, only 70 years ago. Think about this. From 1877 to 1954, there was Jim Crow laws. I call it the Pharisee spirit, or I call it the Pharaoh spirit. It was Jim Crow laws to say, oh yeah, you could be free, but you're not going to be equal. And we're going to say separate but equal, but how many of you know that that wasn't anything to do with equal? The enemy gets scared, just like Pharaoh. The enemy gets scared when we come together as one, and he tries to put heaviness on people, how many of you know that it's important that we fight together and we're committed together because because of the blood of Jesus, we're brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Jesus is speaking one day, and his literal brother and sister was outside with his mom, and they go and say, Hey, Go, go tell them that we're here. And Jesus makes a point. He said, those that do the will of my father, they're my brothers and sisters. I'm here to tell you, when you come into the kingdom of God, you have, you have not just joined, you have literally joined a family. Brothers and sisters that we're called to be committed to. Do you believe it? I thank God for the civil rights movement. Isn't it crazy that it was only 70 years ago, 70 years ago, that we were separate, that there weren't the same rights 70 years ago? How many of you know that pain's still there? That's not too long ago. We need to fight for unity. I love what Martin Luther King said. We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Martin Luther, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Racism is foolish. Isaiah 1, God has a real moment as a father with children and he says, listen, you're bringing me all these offerings and you know, you're going to the church and going to the temple and you're offering all this and he says, you know what I really want from you? What I really want for you is to fight for justice. That if your brother's going through something, those that are weeping, you go through it 
And today, I'm here to tell you, good news, today is a celebration. So when our brothers and sisters celebrate, we all celebrate. I'm thankful that several years ago, we made this an official federal holiday, Juneteenth, because this was the day that we were all in the process of being free. Yeah, give God a hand. So Juneteenth is not for, you know, them or, or those or that. Juneteenth is for we. Because we celebrate with those who celebrate and we're one. It is no longer you or they. It's we. I'm telling you, God is going to move in the city of New Orleans because God, the Father, is going to bring some unity. And the Bible says that those that come in uh, unity, it's like a river. You get in a river where there is blessing. When you're in unity, there's like a river. You get swept up with a river that's like the love of God. And I'm here to tell you, God wants to work in this city, but he's going to begin to work in the city when we begin to purify our hearts and we begin to say, I will lay down my life. What kind of love are those that lay down their life for their friends we have to be committed not from a distance but from close up intentionality and humility how many of you know that this is a time for God to move this is a day for celebration it's Father's Day it's Juneteenth and I'm here to tell you that God even if you notice something wrong in your heart God covers you, he cleanses you, and he will give you his nature, with, which is a nature of humility and a nature of love and not self-seeking. It is a nature that is willing to serve and to love. And if you want to know what the core of 54 is, unity is how we win. Unity is how we win. Come on, if everybody can stand up with me. I want to say a prayer today. Because if we notice, listen, this is a lifetime learning. My, my children are learning each other, and we're not going to always get it right. But you know what a, a, a major attribute of this community is? Patience, understanding, forgiveness. I'm not going to say that we have it all right, but I can say that we're going to be committed to work towards unity. And we're going to see a city young. Old, black, white, yellow, every color. We're going to see a city come to God because the glue of who we are is love and unity. There's going to be such a love. And when we come together, people are not going to be able to help but give their life to God because the love of God, you cannot resist it. When you feel the love of God, it is like a momentum people will get sucked in and they are going to begin to get in a momentum of love that comes from you because you have decided, I'm going to have a heart of humility. I'm going to have a heart of intentionality. I'm going to have a heart that begins to have empathy. I'm going to have a heart that is loyal and committed because when I came to Jesus, I did not come into the kingdom by myself. I have brothers, sisters, and mothers that I lock arms with. And I say we are unified. And if one can chase a thousand, then two can chase 10,000. I don't know if you heard. It doesn't even make sense with math. I would think one would chase a thousand. Two, two would chase 
2,000, but God says, I'm going to multiply your impact when you begin to come together. One will chase 1,000, two will chase 10,000, and I'm here to tell you that God is going to begin to chase the enemy because of your heart of unity. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. It's up to us. It's not over. It's not over. It is not too dark. It's time to be the light. It's not too dark. It's time to be the light. What's going to help our city quit relying on the government? They have a, a special place, but here's what we need to do. We need to come together and we need to push back the darkness because we are the light. And when you get a bunch of light together, you can't help. Darkness just expels. There is no competition with light and darkness. You turn on the light and darkness has got to go. And I'm here to tell you that darkness has to leave this city in the mighty name of Jesus because his people, the Father, are coming together. The Father, his children are coming together. And and saying, I'm going to show you a love that can only be explained by this person named Jesus that came into my life and turned it all around. It's time. It's time. It's time to win, and we're going to win with unity. If you're here today and say, I would like some brothers and sisters, I would like to come together in a family, I want a relationship with the Father, what the perfect Father's Day present to our God, if you said, you know what, today, God, I want to come home. If you're far away from God, don't try to get, get it together and come to God. Come to God and he'll get it together. We have a team praying right now. And if you say, you know what, today I want to give my life to God. I'm ready to join into the family of God. And with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you rose again. And you're alive today. I ask you into my heart. I want a relationship with you. Today, I make you my Savior and my Lord. The Bible says when you prayed that prayer, your sins are as far as the east to the west. They are no more. I don't know about you, Church 54, but that's something to celebrate. The Bible says when one person comes to God, all of heavens rejoice. And with everybody's eyes closed, if you said that prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you. Can you just slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Lord, I thank you for anyone that lifted their hand today. I thank you that there's a party going on in heaven. And Lord, we want to celebrate you, with you. Church 54, on the count of three, can we give God a shout and celebrate with heaven today with those that have turned with God? One, two, three. Come on, let's give God a hand today. Let's give God a shout. Just lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Lord, right now, Right now, we come to the cross. We go to that place where you shed your blood. And Lord, we thank you that it is in that place that we lay down anything that doesn't line up to you. Lord, give us a heart of humility. Give us a heart of empathy. 
Give us a heart of intentionality. Give us a committed heart, God. And Lord, anything that is wrong, anything that is wrong thinking, God, anything that comes from even generational wrong thinking, Lord, we stand today and we say that we don't go with culture, we go with kingdom. And Lord, we lay down any wrong culture, any wrong mindset, anything that doesn't line up with you and your character, we lay it at your feet right now. Come on, just picture yourself laying wrong thoughts at his feet, wrong thoughts of pride, wrong thoughts of arrogance, thoughts that you are over, thoughts that you are better, thoughts that are not of God. God came as a man, fully God, fully man, and the Bible says that he got down in dirt that we were actually made from and begin to weep and cry and take on all of our sin so that you can have the grace of God. And right now, I pray for everybody in this room. I thank you. Say this after me. Say, by the blood of Jesus, I am covered, I am cleansed, and I am changed. Come on, I want you to just grab the, the hand of the person next to you and just lift it up right now and, and signify in unity. We're here together. We're here together. We're better together. We're better together. Lord, we thank you that today, Lord, this is not going to be just a clanging symbol, a bunch of words, but Lord, see our actions on how we come together as one, one mind and one accord. I thank you that there's a blessing that flows from this. There is grace that flows from this. And from here on out, God, we make a decision to stand together, do what only you can do in our lives and in this city. I thank you that you're making us a city on a hill because we have your love in the middle of this group. Thank you that you're doing doing it, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit and the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Come on, give God a hand today. Come on, give God a shout.